0: which is a new interactive live streaming series, advancing health and wellness discussions and education among women living with and vulnerable to HIV. Every two weeks, I, CeCe Coven, will sit down with different co-hosts to chat about key topics in our community. In today's episode, I'm so excited. We have Tiomi Luckett with us. And we're going, we're honoring Transgender Day of Remembrance. And I just can't wait to get into this conversation. So, what I'm going to ask you to do, Tiomi, is introduce yourself, your affiliations, and how did you come across the World well Project? Okay,
1: okay. Thank, thank you, so, you much so much for inviting me. Um, my name is Tiomi Luckett. I am in Little Rock, Arkansas. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. Um, and I'm a woman of trans experience living with HIV. I came across the Well Project um, at a conference. I came across Krista at a conference. And um, Krista actually asked me to blog for the Well Project. So I started blogging for the Well Project. um, And then I became like a, a steering committee member, an advisory community advisory board member. Um, But the WELL Project was actually the first organization to give me employment inside the HIV field. Um, And so since then, um, I moved on from the WELL Project as the communications coordinator for a short while um, to become the communications assistant at uh, Positive Women's Network USA, where I just left. And now I'm a national organizer at Transgender Law Center.
0: Oh, so you be working, working. Yeah, I be working, <laughs> working. <laughs> um,
1: other, other affiliation, affiliation um, when, when I first, first started, started is the US PLHIV Caucus, uh, Desiree Alliance that does um, sex work, decrim work, um, and got affiliated with. Um, other sex worker organizations, right? Um, And then there's America in Transition, where a film crew followed me around um, at several events, you know, telling my story. And um, in the midst of that, like, actually being published and thinking it was done, like, other stuff happened and uh, they came back. So people actually, like, called me and told me that they saw this video of me on TV, and I'm like, I haven't been interviewed for anything. Like, I forgot because the body of work is extensive, but the need to do the work is also very, very extensive.
0: The need to do the work is extensive. Oh my gosh, isn't that so true in so many areas? But then we get to TDOR, Transgender Day of Remembrance, and the fact that we even have to have a Transgender Day of Remembrance kind of speaks to the disparities there. Like, what does that day mean to you? What does TDOR mean to you?
1: Um, As a woman of trans experience, um, it is a reminder of all of the times that, you know, I could have not been here with you today. Um, it brings up feelings of survivor's guilt um, especially like knowing that trans women from my hometown have been murdered. Um, there were, their cases haven't gone anywhere. So no one has been caught. No one is being held accountable for those actions that happened to them. And these were women that I knew, you know, it could have easily have been me. Um, there are times like I've been in this field doing this work specifically for like the last six years. And I didn't even have the term transgender in my vocabulary before then, although I was living my truth at 21 and I'm 44 now. So doing the math, you know, I was simply doing me. I didn't know that there was anyone like me, but I still was at risk of violence and violence happened to me. Um, Even after doing, like getting into this work and learning about my community, I realized that I wasn't alone. Um, It just became, I became aware of all of the murders. And I got to a point where I don't want to hear about this. Like don't bring up trans women because that's basically who's being killed. Don't don't bring up trans women to me when they're being murdered, right? Because chances are you may know a trans person but you choose to treat me differently. I've always had a problem with that. Um, And it basically boils down to what is palatable to people, we're social creatures, we're very visual creatures. Sometimes you may not like what I have to say, um, but it'll still be the truth. Um, And so there have just been times when I've just not wanted to celebrate at all. I've done the marches, I've organized marches, I've brought awareness here in my city. Um, but yet, even after doing that, like the murders continue to happen and there's no accountability, no accountability. So it, it makes me mad, honestly, you know, that there has to be a day and that so many people are willing to recognize trans people after they're gone. But so many of us are here doing this great work um, and, and being fed scraps, you know, to do it. Um, There was if it wasn't for the Well Project, I probably would have still been volunteering because it was here where I really began to value, like who I am and what I bring to this organization and the work. Right. But not everybody has that opportunity.
0: So you said some things I want to go back to. First of all, you are not 44. (laughs) First of all, that's first and foremost, and second of all, um, just bigging up the Well Project, like the fact that they were the first organization to give you employment within this field, like that's phenomenal. That's how I feel, you know? Um, You know, the willingness to listen to the voices of the community and then to put them into leadership experiences, your testament to that. And I feel like I'm following in your shoes right after. Like, it's amazing because so often, it's easy to feel undervalued in this field and you know you just keep using your voice you know doing your own local work and that to not be recognized knowing that, because I can hear it already you have a strong voice and it sounds like it's very needed um, so someone to just go ahead and take that and nurture it and I just see you're spreading your wings and flying you sound like you're soaring like that's what it sounds like um So the violence, um, is very, very tough and I really, it saddens me that any group of people would have to experience that. I was listening to a talk that we did previously about transgender people and just thinking that that may even need to be defined for some people. Some people I don't even think understand what a trans woman or a trans man is would you be so kind to tell us
1: sure a little bit of trans 101 um transgender woman is a person who was assigned male at birth um because we had nothing to do with it right and they based that um they based that on our genitalia um so having a penis made you male made you a boy and we choose we live our life our way, we live our lives as we see ourselves. And so I was born biological male, I identify as female. Um, And that's how I present to the world. So how I present to the world um, is my gender expression, right? But my gender identity is that of a trans woman or a woman of trans experience.
0: Okay. Okay, thank you for that trans 101. I, I definitely appreciate it. I don't think that it has ever been explained to me, and I will take responsibility for not myself going to go, you know, look, I'm sure I could have Googled that answer as well, but thank you for taking the time to um, express that. So when you was talking about community, you said at the age of 21 you thought you was the only one living your life like that. I can identify with that wholeheartedly, being the only person that I knew that was living with HIV at one point, felt like I was the only person in the world, but I knew that there had to be others of us out here because it's a thing. So I know what I felt like when I found community. What did it feel like to you
1: when you found community? Um, The first time I came upon a community member who identified as trans, I was in Washington DC speaking for the first time about being trans, about being a person living with HIV. Um, but it wasn't you know, about that topic, it was about Arkansas passing the Affordable Care Act. Um, but I just like brought who I was wholeheartedly into the room and people picked up on that, right? Um, and so I met Cecilia Chung in that meeting Um, And I also met Cecilia Chung, who is at Transgender Law Center. And I also met Angela Green at that meeting, right? Who's also in the Bay Area. And so that let me know that I wasn't alone with my gender identity. I also went into that room thinking that I was really exposed. These people are in Washington, DC. Um, they're all gonna know that I'm living with HIV because I'm gonna tell them and they're going to judge me, right? And that's that's what I was thinking until after I sat down and we had a comment section and half of the room were people living with HIV, right? Uh, I came from Little Rock and I was like, I just know that I don't look sick. I don't feel sick. You know, I wasn't educated about HIV. I was simply just taking the medicine at that time, and uh, that opened my eyes to like what it meant to truly live. You know, with HIV or have HIV live with you because these people were soaring and they were brilliant, and I wanted what they had. Right, in spite of a diagnosis or in spite of society saying that you are not who you say you are, right? Like these people were powerful and I wanted what they had. And so um, Cecilia Chung called me later um, that year and asked me to be a part of Positively Trans, a new program that she was starting and it would give trans people living with HIV the opportunity to advocate for our needs, to actually think about what it is that we need from organizations and from services, right, as trans people living with HIV. And from that came the needs assessment that uh, we brought out, like World AIDS Day, I think when, maybe 2015. So it gave us standing in the HIV community because now here were all of these trans people living with HIV willing to be in community with other people living with HIV, right? And so... um, these trans one-on-ones, we're not, we're not new to it, right? Like, you're not the first person to say that. That just hasn't been your experience that you know of. Um, but you are a person that was that is willing to learn and ask those questions, right? And so that's how we move forward with the Trans Agenda for Liberation by, uh, by moving out of the way, right? I don't need you to do the work for me. I am fully capable of doing the work myself. I know what it is that I need. I know how to tell people what I need. I just need like the space to do that, right? And so Positively Trans became that space for us to not only talk about like what it is that we need, but just to talk about like what it is that we're going through. And that's when I realized that I was in community for the first time when I'm in a hotel room with basically strangers, but they're feeling like family. You know, I don't have to explain my existence to them like I had to explain it or still have to explain it to my own genetic family. Right. They just got it. And it clicked for me. Like, these are my people. Right. And so um, that's basically how I framed my advocacy. Um, People, they understand that I'm trans. And so I'm going to advocate for that. Right. But the first thing you see is that I'm I'm black. Right. And so there are all these like intersecting parts of my identity that put me at a heightened chance for criminalization. And so like that brought out brought on so much more work that needed to be done. And it just these coalitions and networks of people living with HIV that I have come to know, love and respect and some whom we've lost. um, Like they built me up to be the, the advocate that I am today, to be the leader that I am today. And I own that today. I own that I'm a leader today. I wouldn't i wouldn't have a few years ago
0: all right well that's about to go into a different direction because sis helped me i'm trying to accept that i'm a leader you know at some point you just feel like you're you're telling your story you're showing up to these different events and discussions and then people start to look at you that way. But to accept that on your own, it's like, whoa, I'm just out here living my life. I don't I didn't think that I was doing anything that phenomenal. But it's so needed because I feel like so many people feel like they don't have a voice. We all have one, but people feel like they don't have one. So to see you or to see me or to see, you know, other advocates getting up to speak, I think is empowering to so many other ones and that just that makes my heart feel so good finding that tribe oh my gosh that was like oh my gosh there's so many people out here oh my god and you're right you don't i don't know your experience my experience with hiv by itself is i can go in and you know they're not looking at me any type of way like we're a room full of you know people that i know living with hiv and we don't have to discuss that medication ain't a thing they're not looking at me funny like not looking at me like how can you do this and that we don't have to have that conversation we can talk about when rent is due we could talk about you know how we gonna get this food in this refrigerator you know things like that and i really appreciate that. so i'm proud and happy for you that you were able to find a community so long ago it seems and i know that i saw you the first time at a conference somewhere on stage with it was you equals you stuff and it was bruce and davina and it was you and i was like oh my god she's so pretty i don't even think that i realized at first that you know that i was experiencing you as a trans woman i didn't know so i'm so grateful to you know even be able to be in a space because normally you know, I would not feel comfortable to be able to have a conversation like this. So thank you for accepting it and knowing that it's coming from a real genuine and sincere space. I appreciate it without um, becoming offended. No problem. (laughs) So we have some questions from the cab. I'm just gonna disperse them out while we're speaking. Um, One question, it comes from Katie. She says, why is trans suicide not included in the list of lives lost to violence? I consider it murder by transphobia, death by a thousand cuts, so to speak. It should be counted as violence against the transgender community, in my opinion. What are your thoughts?
1: I wholeheartedly agree. Um, When I put on the march, those names of the ones that we lost to suicide were included, Um, I feel the same way. I know what it feels like to contemplate suicide. Uh, And Katie's absolutely right. Um, It was because of all of the societal pressures, whether it came from family, whether it came from uh, jabs from friends, whether it just came from like pure hate and people stated their intentions against me. Um, I felt as though I wasn't good enough. Like I didn't have a place in this world Right, no one would ever truly accept me and see me as I see myself, uh, and not just this, but just like this is just a part of me. This is who I project to the on the outside. I'm talking about who I am on the inside um, and how I will go to bat for like the people that I love and how I will help out a stranger. And um, you just can't come and stay with me. I need my space, you know. But I will make space for you. I will, but. To some people, that just doesn't count. I mean, not to say that I care about their opinions about me, um, but it took me—it took me getting to a place where that didn't phase me to the point where I felt like those people who actually were successful in their suicide attempts, right? Um, but I know what that's like. I know to be what it feels like to be on the brink of wanting to do it, and then just don't wanting to, not wanting to be found or put my mom through that. In my deepest, darkest times, it was my mom who pulled me through. It she was my higher power. Um, her love to me felt very unconditional. Um, even though at the time when I was growing up, I didn't feel like I got that from the rest of the family, but it was enough for my mom to sustain me. So when I went as a parent who makes you feel less than, I don't know, I don't other than like my dad and stuff that we went through but our relationship is different now. And I speak to that as well. So I just kept pushing, but some people have no
0: fight left in there.
1: I agree with Katie.
0: Yes, that's that's difficult. Um, Just suicide period, you know, I've been there and I can just, I can feel the darkness like now, just even when the word is so triggering for me, it feels very dark and if that lack of acceptance and, you know, sometimes not being able to love myself because how I am being treated by those around me, those who say that they love me and feeling that low. No one should ever have to experience that. Like it is not, um, you should not have that much control over what i'm feeling on the inside yet it happens because as you said we are social beings like i want to i don't need to be liked by everybody but i definitely deserve my respect like regardless of how you feel about whatever i'm living my life like i still deserve that respect and so do you and the next person and the next person and i just wish that we as a whole would get better in that area um it's so disheartening um talking about your the needs assessment, what needs were you all able to identify that are needed like what does the trans community need?
1: the if I remember correctly, top priority was trans affirming health care top priority um and when it came to top legal need, it was HIV criminalization now. When it comes to health, that's one thing that we realized when it came to our health issues um, and of those that we surveyed, those who completed the survey, uh, trans-affirming healthcare was t- number one. Um, we see we see who we're supposed to be and insurance will block it, right? Um, and there are other means of doing stuff that are not safe it has cost trans women's lives. And I, again, going back to what Katie said, like that was murder by the insurance companies, right? Um, I think that they got the wrong person in jail. Uh, you know, I I work at the Transgender Law Center. Ca- California insurance is A1. If I wanted a surgery and lived in California, I wouldn't have to worry about it. I work for the transgender law center. California covers my insurance through a branch in Arkansas where Arkansas has these laws and just tried to place all these bans on trans youth, right? So now someone has to advocate on my behalf in order for me to have the surgeries that I am okay to have. I have a surgeon set up, you know, all of these things, right? Um but then, when it comes to us being who we are, legally um, having the correct documentation, um, not being arrested for walking while trans, thought to be sex workers where sex sex work is criminalized, stop using condoms as evidence of as proof of sex work um, because in some some states, and this is where some of the positively trans members' input is so valuable. Um, Having a sex worker charge is a crime against nature. Like, what? Um, you know, you can have a sex offender re- be on a sex offender registry. Like, how How are these? Th- and they're targeting us, right? Because already um, it's hard to sustain employment. Um, Because of all of these laws that are now making it legal to discriminate against us in areas of employment, Um, trying to use public facilities, so trying to get an education. I remember going to college and having to walk clean across campus just to use the unisex bathroom. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I don't have time for anyone trying to pressure me, because when I was working at a job and I went into the women's restroom, I wasn't good enough to be in there either, And someone called themselves ratting me out. And because my documentation did not say female, I was not allowed to use that restroom. But every time I did go into the male's restroom, I became this public spectacle. And I went through that for two and a half years before the Well Project hired me on. Like, I would, the way I feel now, I would never step foot into an office that isn't specifically led by trans people. I don't have time for it.
0: That's deep. Like, I can't imagine having to hold my pee to get across, you know, a campus to use the restroom just because of how I am expressing my gender. Like, thank you for sharing. I, these are things I'm glad we have conversations because I wouldn't normally, like, think of that. Like, you would not think that using the restroom would be a stress point for anyone. That's horrible. Um, Krista asked a question. It's here. Um, Can you speak to women of trans experience who might want to do more public advocacy and how you've had to navigate that as you become more well-known?
1: Okay, so first I want to (laughs) say you're going to become visible, you know, so you need to be sure that this is what you really want to do. At the time, for me, um, I was just speaking at this one event, right? And before I sat down, people were already calling back to Arkansas, wanting to meet me. Um, I didn't even know at the time that I had anything to say. I was asked a specific thing. I brought who I was into the conversation and everybody wanted to meet me. So that brought in like HIV criminalization. I went to HIV is not a crime for the first time. And that's when I realized that being in arkansas and being a person living with hiv like that puts me at a high risk for being in prison um so i don't deal with like not telling people i make sure that i tell them you know i have a track record of telling them i'm going to have it on paper some somebody can print it out some type of way right um you know but i'm like i just don't have time for for you know me trying to do this work, and then like somebody being jealous and or, or mad that I don't have enough time for them, and then threatening me with, um, you know, having me prosecuted or whatever. So, f- as a person living with HIV, I had to become aware that my status was going to be out there, and it was. Um, I thought I was in a safe space around other people living with HIV. And never paying attention to reporters. And my story came out. And I was on the cover of a magazine that I knew nothing about at the time. and so. But people in the HIV community knew. And so they were sharing it on social media. And (laughs) everybody started calling me. Are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I saw it. And as fast as I tried to delete it, it would show up again. My name was tagged again. So I went through that. Uh, So just make sure that you know what could possibly happen. You're going to be visible, be prepared, not only for like the praises, but be prepared for like the criticism that you will receive. Um, I have done this work and, you know, been on interview uh, and on camera and never go to the comments, never go to the comments, Um, especially if it's a new source that I don't particularly know, but I'm speaking on a topic and I mentioned that I'm trans, I never read the comments um, because they try to tear me down um, for my status and they try to tear me down for my gender identity. Um, And so I just don't have time for that because I'm a fighter. I didn't get to be 44 by being weak, you know? And so um, I brought that into advocacy. I truly did. I was really rough, really unpolished. So I don't know if people will say that uh, it was respectable po- respectability politics or not, but I went by what I heard. I was introduced to Positive Women's Network. They're a rowdy group of women um, who do not mind like protesting some shit. So... Um, i i was like okay this is what we do right and um and i would go to these conferences and each conference that i went to there was a protest and i'm like what are what are people angry for so you know i would i would that's what i knew to do and it it became apparent that people were monitoring my social media Because my social media, oh, you did not want to be on my bad side on social media. That goes for advocates. That goes for um, whoever. You really didn't want to be on my bad side. And so um, I had to learn how to tone that down. I really did. I had to learn how to tone that down so that I could get my message across or the message of the community that's trusting me to share this message, right? And so I stopped thinking so much about myself and really started thinking about my community and how me being in this space at this time can really advance like the, the needs assessment for my community. Um, but yeah, you're gonna have to get out of self even though you're the one getting all of the accolades. You're gonna have to get out of self because this has never been about me, it hasn't. I got into advocacy because I made a promise to my higher power um, that when I learned I was positive, If I get through it, then I will promote as much education and awareness about HIV as I could. And so February 27, 2014, my higher power presented that opportunity to me. And so I I stuck to it. Right. I'm a woman of my word. And so if I say that I'm going to do something, you can bank on it. Right. And so People saw that I was dependable. They saw that I knew what I was talking about and they started trusting me. Like even when uh, there were moments when I still had to blow up, you know, because sometimes you just have to flip a table to get the message across, sorry. Don't think that it's all peaches and cream over here. It's not, there's definitely a hood chick, you know, that I keep at bay too. So um, I've brought all of that into advocacy and those moments get recorded too. So um, I would say be aware of what could happen. Be aware of what could happen, but um, also be you know just just be you because at the end of the day, all I have to do is really be myself. I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm not trying to be the other trans women and positively trans um, because they're doing them right? I can only bring myself to the to the conversation. And so, yeah, just be aware of what you put out there. It stays out there. And some things that are said about you, you're not going to agree with. And it's that point that you actually determine what type of leader you are. Um, because I was going back and forth with people on social media. That's what type of leader I was. Like, don't try it. But, you know, now I'm like, okay, we can have a conversation and I can educate you, which I tried to do then, you know, I came with an education piece first. But when you're so set in your ways, then I'm like, oh, okay, now I know where you stand. So now let me tell you what type of person I really am. See, that was the professional Tiami. That was, you know, but let me show you who I really am and, and what roots I come from. So,
0: yeah. Not to flipping the tables, yo. You got me over here crying. <laughs> okay, so you are getting a lot of questions going on in this comment um section. So Joe asks a big question: Is being a trans, living with HIV, a huge social problem slash stigma here? Here in India, well, she's staying here in the U.S. Here in India, though there are laws, police do nothing to help in case they run into any legal issues and had to sort help from the NGOs. I think you kind of touched on that a little earlier. Um, But what would you say to speak to that stigma and how there is like a lack of support?
1: So... Thank you, Joe. I know Joe. We were on the board together. Uh, so, yeah. So as a trans person living with HIV, I'll bring this into the conversation. Leaving a Positively Trans meeting, right? Um, I was, we were in D.C. I was supposed to go through Chicago before getting to Little Rock. The weather was really crazy in D.C. There were grounding flights. I needed to get home. I wasn't working in the HIV field at the time. Um, I was doing volunteer work and getting paid stipends. So I had a job that I had to get back to because I asked for a certain amount of days off. So I was able to get out of D.C., go to Charlotte in Charlotte. as Soon as I touched down, I had to run to my next gate. So I run to the gate. There's this guy there. I see him not really paying attention to him because by this time I'm tired um, and I'm just breathing. Get on the plane. Phone goes dead. I don't have a means to get home. Right. And I'm talking out loud because I'm freaking out just getting on this plane. I'm finna go home. But how the hell am I going to get home? Right. So uh, long story short, this guy gives me a ride home and ends up sexually assaulting me. Um, It took me a week. And then like being in community, having someone of trans experience there with me before I was even able strong, strong enough to call the police. So an officer came out to my house and in that week's time, I'm talking to different leaders in the HIV field because I'm in Arkansas. There's a woman in prison right now for not disclosing to her attacker that she was living with HIV. I don't want that to be my situation. You know, I didn't do anything wrong. So there are laws against sexual assault and their advice to me was to not disclose to the police that I'm living with HIV because it could happen to me. First of all, I'm black, I'm trans, and I'm living with HIV. Oh, you ain't even gotta roll the dice, you know? I'm going to jail. So I built up the strength and courage to actually like make a report. And because I'm trans, it didn't go anywhere. So realizing that like I'm not safe in my own home sent me into a deep depression. Um, and that the police were not there to serve and protect, right? Uh, Put me in a deep depression, and it took like a year of therapy and even medication for me to get over that. Um, I did not feel safe in that house. I ended up leaving that house um, and going to live with a guy that I knew I really didn't care anything for. Um, But I'm like, I got a job now, um, I, I'm doing all of this consultancy work so I got money coming in but I just didn't feel safe in my own home to the point where I couldn't eat I couldn't sleep I couldn't function at work I'm a server and I would forget a drink order after writing it down you know what I'm saying like it really fucked with me and so uh, it took a year of me getting you know myself together and trying different medicines for um, anti different antidepressants and I was like okay this is who I am to these people in Arkansas, right? And so um, that's why I've, you know, been working with different organizations trying to get these laws reversed because I was the one that was in danger, you know, I'm in a different place now, but I don't trust having people in my space like that. You know, it's something I still deal with today. So, yeah. And and the, that's because of the stigma that's attached to being a person living with HIV. How are you going to put the onus on me when I'm being sexually violated? You know, I, I told this guy that I was trans, hoping that that would get him the hell off of me. But no, now he see, he doesn't even see me as a person. So I'm not going to say anything that could set him off at all. I just took it and he left. You know, and when I filed the report, I had evidence and they were like, but it could have been consensual. And I was like, "Okay, now you can leave. Now you can leave, you know, like you're not going to do that to me. I didn't ask for this. And because of who I am and what I look like doesn't mean that I deserve to be treated like that.
0: You're absolutely right. You don't deserve that was said. I saw Bridget's comments um, come up. I couldn't imagine either. Um, and thank you for the work. I know it becomes a little bit more. It's when you've personally been through something, you can feel it a little bit more. And then the fight is so much stronger because no one else should have to experience that. Nobody. Um, this comment, we keep getting it from a couple of different sources. I think Jenna just posted it. Um, can you talk a little about your experiences as a trans woman in the HIV community and whether there's anything that you think the community could do better with regard to trans women?
1: Um, okay, so like I said, um, my experience, first there was the Well Project, who saw something in me like through my writing, right? Um, Saw that there was something there. So we started cultivating like who I am. I started going to these trainings, um, not only like telling my story, but also like getting educated on things around me that impact me, um, either for my gender identity or because of my my serial status. Right. And so uh, they made space. They made the space available for me to have a voice through the blog. Um, to have employment by coming on board, right? Um, And then like I started working with Positive Women's Network, who were doing the same thing, who were empowering not only cis women, but trans women um, to advocate for their needs, right? They're a social justice organization. And so uh, when we're at Conferences, we've separate, you know, made space for trans women to hold institutes, um, bringing us together, right? So that we can hear what it is that is happening around the country because if it wasn't for Positively Trans, I would feel really, really alone right now. Um, we have a monthly call. I know these people, I respect these people uh, and Transgender Law Center made space for trans people living with HIV. Right, And so uh, it's all about like making the space, making the space, trusting their leadership, not trying to speak for us. Um, It's kind of like these federal organizations, right? That make these plans for people living with HIV, but don't include people living with HIV in the planning, in the planning, in the implementation, none of that, right? So making sure that our space is meaningful to us, not to your bottom line when it comes to organizations. If I want to be quite honest about it, um, I don't want to hear from organizations during Transgender Day of Visibility or Transgender Day of Remembrance. If you can only think of us two times out of the year, what does that really say about like your commitment to the liberation of trans people? Because in all honesty, trans people living with HIV, trans people period, are like the lowest on the totem pole when it comes to who's important in society's eyes. It's white cis men first, you know, white cis women. Um, and then if you're gonna go down the LGBT community, then it's gay white men first, you know? <laughs> I mean, come on, like, and we're at the very bottom. It, when, you're, when you're grouped with a certain subset of people, who do not identify as you they're not going to understand what it is that you're going through okay so gay men do not have the right nor the space nor the uh, nor the agency to tell me that I've gone too far in what way in what way cuz there are a lot of things that you don't know about me that might surprise you you know but saying that I'm gay I'm a gay man is absolutely incorrect I don't identify with you. I don't experience life as you did. And if to be quite honest, I was never with a man as a man. Like that's my experience. So no, when my mom told me at 19 years old, when I told her that I had started smoking cigarettes and she replied that she would love me even if I was gay, I didn't know how to take that. I'm like, okay, but that's not who I am. you know. And so two years later, um, hair changed, you know, and she's like, okay, okay. And that was my relationship with my mom. Right. And so my mom definitely kept space, not only in her heart, but in her house for me, I was her child. Um, if I had changed my name at that time, she would have gone by it because before she died, I did change my name and she was calling me by my name. Right. And so, uh just making the space, getting out of the way, trusting our leadership and not speaking for us is what these organizations can really do. Um, and, if, and to go even further, uh, fund, donate to trans led organizations, specifically black trans led organizations, um, because, again, when you're a white trans led organization, you're getting the money. You are. And we are pulling together resources to make sure that someone who needs something actually has it. Right. Um, So there's the Black Trans Fund. There is um, New York Transgender Advocacy Group. There's the Black Trans Women um, of Color Collective. Right. There is Trans Sister of Color Project. Um, Write them out. You know, look them up they would more than they can do the work themselves and they would really appreciate um, your donations.
0: Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Olivia is mimicking it as well. She says, love, thank you so much, always for sharing so incisively and beautifully. Some people call TDOR, Transgender Day of Resilience. I wonder if you speak to what that means. The level of violence and disrespect our trans family are subject to is disgusting, horrific, traumatic, and also trans communities are top of the world in modeling mutual aid, support, survival, thriving...
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, In all honesty, this is not new to us. Um, You wanna talk about resilience? I wouldn't say that that's me. I would say that those are my elders. Um, again, they paved the way for me to be here today, and the work that I'm doing is paving the way for the next generation. Right? I stand on the shoulders of giants, and some of those giants are Kyler Brodus, um uh, Miss Major Griffin Gracie. Right? Um, we have Sharon. Um, What is Cheris' last name? We have Mama Didi Chamblee, right? Um, Those who made sure that we didn't get arrested for being who we are. When they were my age and younger, they didn't have these freedoms. They didn't. They probably didn't even have the term transgender in their vocabulary, right? We're not a monolith. The vocabulary is ever changing, just like the times are changing, right? Um, And so when I think of resilience, I think of those who are still here, who absolutely defy the, the notion that the average lifespan for a trans person, a trans woman, who's Black is 35. They defy that. These are all Black trans people who are in their 60s and 70s that I'm referring to. Um, who are still here and still doing the work. That's resilience. That is telling the man, that is telling their, their families, the people that they come across on the street that I am enough. You don't have to like it. And that's where I got it from. You know, um, and then they had that unconditional love and support. You had Sylvia Rivera, Marsha P. Johnson, um, as star who opened up like this this house so that poor young trans kids would have somewhere to stay when there was nowhere else. Some of us are still homeless. Some of us still cannot get in a shelter that aligns with our gender identity. This is still happening, right? And so when you have people like Miss Major who have these houses and these retreats so that we can come and, and be in community, that is resilience. That's healing our entire community, right? Because what, once you what you put out there, you, you're going to pass on. I mean, and someone else is going to pick it up. Right. And so you have their Duncan, who are doing things like that, like just took a whole group of people, um, I think, to Florida. Right. For a retreat. You know what I'm saying? Like, those are the things that are needed, that that healing, that community healing. And so when when my community heals like we're all going to heal, we are because those who are not of my community have been the ones to oppress us. So when we're able to heal and we're able to gather ourselves and do the work ourselves, like we can, we can continue to fight for the liberation of others instead of putting ours on the back burner because we're a part of so many other movements. So the resilience comes in in having to do the work on behalf of others and for ourselves during a time when people are still saying that we're not enough and we're owning that we are.
0: Wow! 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 Um, Let's see, Bridget, one of our other community advisory board members. I love her, right? What would your advice be to people trying to or not trying to understand the trans experience? We ain't flipping no tables, right? Because we're coming with love and education. I know.
1: Okay, I would say that you you don't have to understand it to respect it, you know? Cause what, what I'm doing inside of my house or how I present outside of my house does not impact you. It doesn't stop any money from coming to you. It doesn't stop you having a meal, right? I'm living my life the way that I wanna live my life. I'm not concerned about CeCe's experience. CeCe's a person, that's all that CeCe has to be for me for me to be a decent human being. People don't feel like we are deserving of respect, right? You don't have to accept me. I told my family that years ago, and you know how I proved that to them? I wasn't around. I was happy. I was, I'm not gonna lie. I was happy, you know, I don't see too many wrinkles. I got on a little bit of Mac, but you don't see too many wrinkles. That means I ain't stressed. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to understand things to respect that this is the way this is the way it is. Right. You don't. I didn't understand Michael Jackson's skin pigmentation, but I accepted that that's what it was. You know, I, I never was disrespectful. Michael will always be the king of pop to me, whether he looked like me, Um, When he was born and then didn't when he died, you know, still, that's not my business. I'm just going to say you don't have to understand my experience um, to to be a decent human being when you do encounter me. If you have questions. Hi, my name is such and such. My pronouns are that goes a long way to engaging in the conversation about gender. Sometimes it's as easy as that right? And people are actually having a hard time talking about pronouns. Why? Why? That means you're sitting in a place of privilege to where you don't have to worry about pronouns because society already sees that you're you're that, that, right? right? Instead of the other way around where my pronouns really mean so much to me. It's who I am. It's who I am. But you don't have to understand it to respect it. And I'm not asking you to accept me because I don't I don't stay up at night wondering who doesn't like me. I'm going to tell you the truth. I go to sleep around 8 o'clock, wake up at 4 o'clock. I'm like, damn, but you, you are old. You're old. You're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and used to laugh and be mad when your mama did it and was making noise. But now I'm getting up four o'clock in the morning faithfully.
0: Yep. Oh, I agree. Um, Bridget says that's what that's what her point was. Just respect it. I'll continue. I think we need to keep saying it until people get it. Understanding is not as important as respect. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm loving this. And I know we're running short on time. So Katie had another question. Um, Perhaps the greatest memorial to give someone lost to death is preventative action to keep it from happening again. That already is profound. Goodness, Katie. Other than candlelight vigils, what actions can be done to honor the lost, raise awareness, and stop the violence?
1: Well, what has been happening, I mean, like, that's, that's what the first Transgender Day of Remembrance was. It was a candlelight vigil to Rita Hester in um, some part of Texas, I want to believe, trans woman who was lost to violence, to murder. Um, And so it picked up right now, I think like 185 cities and countries actually do that thing, right, in honor of the very first one. Um, But if you're going to, if you want to raise awareness, um, I think it starts by making space in days that are not Transgender Day of Remembrance, if you want to stop this from happening, then you need to be able to go into places that advocate for harm against people who are who identify as trans. So that's, that's your church. That's your home. You know what I'm saying? If you don't know where to get educated, hit me up. I do these trainings all the time. Uh, Yeah, your home, your church, it's got to linger into the schools because trans kids are being bullied to the point where they're actually um, successfully completing suicide, right? And so that's how you stop all of this. It's more than just one day. It has to be an everyday thing. Every day that I go outside, I run the risk of not coming back home. That's my experience. You will never understand what that feels like to have to put on a brave face, go out and constantly tell people, no, no, I don't want to get in the car with you. I don't want to talk to you and feeling like you don't have a choice because like I said, some people don't take no for an answer, but I just don't want to be bothered. Can I not have that? Can I have that? I am owed that much the opportunity to be by myself. And so um, I don't want to be the one to always educate everyone. I don't want to be that one. I want to I educate you and then you take it off. You pay it forward. You know, and like I said, my advocacy is not about me. Like there are stories, my story like relates to other people of trans experience, but some of theirs are far more horrific than mine to where I was in tears. Like, wow, how strong are you to continue to be here? But in in the interim, all this violence keeps happening because you got laws that are saying it's okay to discriminate against us. They're passing down these beliefs that we're not human. When it came from the highest office of the land, of course people heard it. So be mindful of the platforms that you hold and the influence that you have. Um, And if you don't understand something, then don't speak on it it costs absolutely nothing to just mind your business absolutely nothing and when you speak on stuff that you don't know about that's when we all know that you're an idiot we never would have known it if you hadn't opened up your mouth so i'm not going to speak on things that i don't know about i'm going to ask for the education and then i'm going to try to pass it on and it's not it doesn't happen as as it doesn't happen just doing it on one day It really doesn't it has to be a constant thing
0: absolutely i would like to say that i am very grateful again for the space that the well project gives all of us you know for our voice and you know just every day in my community these are not conversations that i feel like i would be comfortable enough to have and you have made this so easy like i feel like i've learned so much i feel like i can relate to you on so many different levels with my experience not even being you know what your experience is none no two experiences are like are the same anyway um i'm grateful to see you know the bridging together of the trans women and the cis women Those are two terms that I honestly, before I started HIV work, I didn't even know. I don't know if they're just that new or if I was just so oblivious, you know, to not know. And for you to bring out the point of, you know, the pronouns i felt a little you know ashamed and hit a little bit because i didn't realize that you know me stating my pronouns because it isn't a big thing to me and i didn't realize i was operating from a space of privilege but okay heard got you i will make sure i include no joints because just a little small act like that you know you don't realize that you're supporting people outside of yourself um it was brought to me one time you know maybe i'll start using the word partner versus you know boyfriend or um husband or something like that because it would be showing support to another um another person so thank you i have a lot of things to go back and reflect on myself after this thank you again Um, Is there anything that you would like to leave the people with as we're coming very close to the end of our episode? This has been great, by the way.
1: Thank Thank you. Thank thank you. you. Um, Yeah. Um, So again, like I said, um, but I'm not the only one that is doing these trainings. Um, If you are looking for um, any type of sensitivity training, cultural training um, for your organization, then go onto the PWN USA website and look up the gender justice trainers. Um, you will see um, eight different uh, people of trans experience who are able to facilitate different trainings according to like what it is that you're asking for. Um, so that's one way that you, know, you can spread awareness to your community um, in a Central setting, hopefully a brave space um, to be able to have courageous conversations with people of trans experience and to learn from people of trans experience. So, um, yeah, I didn't want you, I didn't want to leave the people thinking that like I know everything. No, and I'm not the only one doing this work. And yeah, I just really want to thank everyone that was able to join. I can't see anything because I'm on a whole different screen. Um, but yeah, Joe. Bridget, um, Jenna, Olivia, Krista, my friend, my sister, um, always, always. I love you.
0: Now I feel like we're supposed to do a big group hug or something, (laughs) but there you go. Okay, so this has been an amazing episode, as I said. Everybody that's here, wait a minute before you click out. We have posted our survey link in the chat box. So could you please take a moment to fill that out for us? Um, Your voice matters. The Well Project definitely responds to it. We build programming around it and everything. So to continue to make sure that our needs are met, and well, the community's needs, not our needs, um, are met, I would please ask that you would take a moment to fill that out so our outro now thank you all for joining us for the 13th episode of the well projects a girl like me live please join us again i believe it's on december 17th um we will be skipping next week next episode because that will be world aids day and there's so much going on but we do have some really exciting um things going on in the meantime so we look forward to seeing you and thank you once again for joining have a good day (laughs) y'all let's see now